Hello, friends, benders, and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco, and I can't believe we're already at the end of book two, Varney. I know, buddy. I gotta say, time has flown. I mean, the second season of Avatar is so incredibly action-packed with so many cliffhangers it does kind of feel like it's over before you know it, like almost before you're ready for it to be over, which I guess is, that's just a sign of a great show. <laughs> Absolutely. And then even just looking back on our own season two of the podcast, we've had so many amazing guests, both new ones and returning ones. Yeah. And I, I still feel like we have a million more things we want to cover outside the scope of just recaps. Yeah. So I'm already getting psyched for season three. Yes, please. Okay, so for today's episode, before we get ahead of ourselves, we felt like we wanted to do honor to the fact that, you know, every episode of of Avatar. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad we squeezed that in. (laughs) I wish everyone could see Dante's face because he says it almost as an afterthought. Like it's almost so Pavlovian at this point that someone says (laughs) honor and he's like not even thinking about it. His voice just goes honor. And then he's like, what? Huh? What happened? I blacked out for a second. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. It'll be uh, on my gravestone. It is going to be on your gravestone. I can think of worse. That would be very cool. Yeah. That would be just yeah, fine. Yeah, bad. Um, no, but like, you know, how every episode that we recap, we talk about, you know, we're like, a lot happens in this episode. And once you add up all of those, a lot happens in this episode, you have a whole lot happens in this season. So we kind of feel like we need to maybe address that as far as how it sort of affects like big picture of Avatar, The Last Airbender, you know? And we knew we had the perfect person to do that with. You met her last season when we also talked about some big philosophical and emotional themes of book one. And she's literally a professor who created an Avatar class syllabus. Yeah, I would say even one of the early role models we had in wanting to become like professors of the Avatar verse yes. ourselves. Which we're on our way. We're, we're not done with the whole course yet, but we're like. But not at all. Not even close. We're going to have to go back and listen to our own podcast to remember everything that we've talked about with everyone. It's going to get so, so, so meta. Uh, but please, everyone, welcome back, Ijoma Njaka. Ijoma! Hey. Welcome back! <laughs> Thanks, y'all. It's great uh, to be here. How are you? How have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. Got some grading to do. Um, some projects are coming down the pike, uh, but it's all good stuff, so... Yeah, I've been doing uh, well. It's been a minute since we had you on. Will you remind people like where you teach? And also, if you remember, remind us what kind of bender you said you would be. Oh, yeah. So I'm definitely, um, I'm going to start with the most important thing first. I'm definitely a firebender. Yeah. Definitely a firebender. I thought that would Fire make Nation Dante happy. Forever. Yep, redirecting lightning is very important <laughs> to Let's me. Let's go. Um, in my regular life. So, yes, um, those are those facts. Um, uh-huh. Otherwise, yeah. So I'm based at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Um, and I think the best way to describe what I do is I'm an arts educator um, that works at the intersection of arts and social justice. Um yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I feel less worthy or more worthy than I did last time. I, f- I feel more I worthy. feel worthy. I did yeah. not go to college. So whenever I talk to someone, who especially who's teaching out of college, I'm like, hey, what do yeah. you know? No, you what are already. <laughs> what, what can you teach me? We're all out here learning. Um, learning is an ongoing process. That's right. We do it every day. So, yeah, this is exciting. So. Yes. Listen, we knew we had the right person. Um, I do feel like, Dante, maybe we should kind of catch up also just with respect to book two, like just sort of bring Joma into this as far as like favorite stuff. Like I know it's right. cruel, but. I know it's cruel. So let's look at book two and mm-hmm. let's talk about 
favorite episodes? Do you have a favorite episode in book two? Ooh, this might feel like it's like a bit obvious, but yeah, my favorite two episodes are the, the last two, the finale. So the Guru and the Crossroads of Destiny. Nice. Um, I don't know about you two, but I'm definitely somebody who like gets chills when I'm like really into something. And yes. like, I feel like I get chills mm. like every five minutes. Wear a sweater, um, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's sweater weather. Yeah. So I, I think for me, it's those last two episodes. I mean, in, in terms of a sort of pivotal moments and turning points, um, there's just a lot there that just gets me every time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think if I had to like pick like a favorite moment, um, well, there are several. A moment that I really like, um, and I was actually just watching this again last night, is when Toph discovers metal bending. It's like, um, yeah. you know, they like tell her like, oh, you think you're the greatest earthbender in the world, but even you can't bend metal. And she has her like Michael Jordan. And I took that personally moment. Yes. And then um, and then she's like, no, I am actually the greatest earthbender yeah, in the world. Actually. And you you believe it. And there's like she's evidence in front of you. Yeah, oh. exactly. You're like, oh, yep, you're right. And uh, it's, it's just that part's really powerful for me. And to think that we just met her earlier in this book i know right. blind bandit That's i forget because in my mind it, i didn't realize that arc happened in book two <laughs> yeah right that she's been there for two weeks yeah <laughs> like, it's so epic you're like is book two four books what's like, happening because yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really this season we're just meeting azula really for the first time yes yeah. yeah they allude to her last book and then we really get to meet her and then she does all this wild stuff with her friends and and then you also we just meet toff and again she does all mm -hmm. this crazy stuff and this crazy yeah. growth within one book which is wild and Zuko's still stuttering out. She's struggling. <laughs> struggling through the book, Zuko. We all have like, different paths, you know? Aang <laughs> and Zuko are Longer struggling through shorter. this book. Yeah, yeah some yeah. get stretched out. Arcs take different shapes. What are these it's guys doing? The girls are moving fast, and the guys are struggling through the book. You know what? That's an yeah. overgeneralization that I absolutely <laughs> support in this case. <laughs> Sokka too. Little Sokka bit also, also Sokka. <laughs> That's so funny. I never thought about it that way. Um, I love what you said to Ijoma because uh, I've said this before on the podcast, but like I want to be the kind of person to where when someone says something that I specifically can't do, that I am that person, that I am yeah. tough. That's like, oh, really? Because that is the hero we love to see in movies, in books, in TV shows. Like when someone's the underdog and you see them get rejected at its face and that exact precise thing is what mm -hmm. they then take to move forward. I'm kind of that person, sort of. But I would say for the most part, especially as a I think person, you are like, Barney. I think you are, too. But that's very sweet of you to say. But I'm just saying when I was Toph's age, if someone said that, I would have been like, you're right. I can't bend Mendel. You know what? I'm just going to be in my room, like writing in my journal. Um, I'm going to figure something else out that I can do. That like, what would have been my approach to make myself feel better? Like, well, I can do other things. So I just love that. And and yeah, if you two feel like you're closer to the person who's like, oh, I'm going to show you exactly what I can't do and can do. You know, right. I, I'm, I have such admiration for that. I mean, I'm not that type of person, but, which is why I admire it so much. I love that. It's one of those things that I admire. I don't even know who said it, but they're like the, the very thing that causes many people to fail is the exact same thing that caused another person to be the success yes. that they are. Like the one thing that people yes. are like, this is the reason why I, yeah. whatever. And then that very reason yeah. is, and it's as horrible as that reason could be, is the very reason why someone else became as great as they become. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a good lesson. Yes.
It's a great lesson. So that being a favorite moment for you completely resonates for both of us, too. That's a beautiful moment. What about characters? We talked about a couple of newbies uh, just now with Dante, but um, do you have favorite characters? And they could be, you know, sort of like one-off that you see once and say goodbye to and wish you saw more of, or, you know, they could be the Azulas of the world or both. Do you have uh, <laughs> characters that come up for you that you're like, yeah, I love that Ooh, person? Yeah. Um, I mean, Azula is just a really well-done character. Um, yes. She, you know, she's well. a sociopath. Um, yeah. And I think she's a really well-drawn one. Um, uh-huh. and, very, very completely drawn. Yeah, exactly. So I, I appreciate the attention to detail there. Um, you know who I think about all the stuff. time? Who do you think about all the time, I Barney? think about that swamp monster, that gentle man under the swamp creature <laughs> yeah. who talks about time and death being an illusion. I mm-hmm. think about him all the time. <laughs> like, he's really in me. Yeah. yeah. Very Iroh. You know what I think about all the time, Varney? Jet came back in book two. Yep. Yeah. Jet left forever, I think, <laughs> in book two. But goes to a turning so point, and then it's a sad story because he's like the complete antihero that yeah. some of us love out there. And he it looks like he turned a leaf. But, yeah. you know, then his rage against the Fire Nation gets him again. And then he gets kidnapped by the Dai Li. And then he gets yeah. full-on brainwashed. And then he gets killed. It's like, yeah, come on, guy. Like... Could have been a great story, and then it becomes a sad story. Uh, yeah, as I'm saying, my household, um, my husband is a big Jet fan, so um, mm-hmm. so he had a lot of feelings with that episode as well. Um, I like Jin, the girl that Zuko goes on a date with. I also yes. like Jin. You know, I appreciate her Whatever like just assertiveness. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Every year on the anniversary, she goes and went to those lanterns wishing they were lit, mm-hmm. wondering where Zuko is. <laughs> She's just a local girl around Bossing Say, just hanging out, you know? I know. <laughs> Zuko's like, I got to get back to Bossing Say someday. I got to spend a little time there. Just to see what's yeah. up. Yeah. I'm glad you brought her up, too, because I do feel like she's one of several young women along Zuko's path that... They leave an impression. They can't bring him through what he has to go through himself. But there's a little seed that they plant along the way, whether it's, you know, remember the girl in Zuko alone who's like, I too went through this, was hurt by the Fire Nation. People who like, they reach him in some way. He's not utterly unreachable. Sometimes people are are in your life just the amount of time that they need to be there to tell you something. Plant that seed for, for the next part of your journey. Yeah. 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 There are lots of things that I like about that particular, you know, sort of short story in the Tales of Bossing Say. Um, I really like Zuko's middle part. That's really cool, too. Um, but <laughs> no, specific, it's like, so short lived. <laughs> that middle part no. down the center of his hair. We don't like that middle part. Uncle's, <laughs> Uncle's setting us up for failure with that I one. Know, I mean, out of all the things that Uncle Ira knows, I'm just wondering like, why he did not know that. Don't be going to fix my hair. You're <laughs> lacking some hair there. Yeah. You haven't fixed your hair in quite some time. So you're not up to the latest fashion uh, <laughs> popping off. Yeah. Out of no, definitely, definitely not. It was a, it was not Uncle Ira's greatest move, but um, yeah. but yeah, no, there is something in there about like Zuko, like you were saying about like his like about what's getting reached inside of him in that moment, which is yeah, his you know his like sense of compassion or sort of care or you know service for other people. You know, I, I think it's nice to sort of see a moment of that happening before his you know transformation that he has after he has the fever, sort of a few episodes later after he's freed Appa, um, it's it's interesting to like get a glimpse of that, sort of like doing a little bit of foreshadowing work there, which I think is really cool. No, it's wonderful. Now, what about Aang? The whole 
arc of him learning earthbending this book is I thought was very I mean it's so insightful I love how they go into the elements and what it takes to eat. they really yes. to, to do certain elements I'm so glad you and mentioned him that. as an airbender going into earthbending and of course meeting Toph who's kind of contrary to him through a lot yeah. of his earthbending le- learning and he's not and, and as our hero of our story our protagonist like he's not taking to it very easily it's almost like the diametric opposite of what yeah, he does yeah. naturally yeah. and so to see him struggle through that it's really cool also there's like all these lessons in those teachings and his struggle mm-hmm. yeah no it's really awesome to see like his growth and i mean i think that's something about what makes the show so important is that the hero is not like fully formed you know we're like seeing them grow and develop and become somebody else and yeah i mean i think this book does a great job of in the you know episode where iroh is teaching zuko about you know redirecting lightning for instance is that bitter work is that the same yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's the same one as where the first time we really see ang yeah on purpose yeah exactly it's all bitter work yeah you know thinking about like iroh talking about how we have to draw wisdom from multiple places obviously zuko's like being sort of told that explicitly but yeah ang's doing that on his own and we can sort of see that that's not through both Aang and Zuko that that's not always easy to do to learn something different or to learn something that but once you sort of discover it you're actually not going to be the same person yeah. on the other side of it once you oh, learn I it. love that yeah Toph we can't just be challenged by the two bad guys and all of a sudden we just start bending metal we're not that, that those kind of benders tough i mean <laughs> i mean that's why the show's not about her um, but one thing that i was i was thinking about in terms of like also like turning points there's one moment in the guru that i think is like a little subtle but is actually another one of my favorite moments is when ang is you know opening up his chakras and he's like at the last one and so he's like you know accessing his like cosmic energy and he sees his big sort of glowing self and then his arrow starts to glow on his body and he looks at his arrows and he smiles oh yeah share me the details i love that moment because you know we see so much of ang in the series he's he doesn't look that happy when he's in the avatar state you know what i mean it always sort of comes out of a sense of like strong emotion or anger or deep sadness um and so i love that he is glowing and he likes it and he thinks it's cool and continues to like walk towards it and step towards it obviously he like runs away from it two seconds later but i think that moment that feels like a turning point for me like you know he knows that it's possible to like really embrace his power and to be comfortable with it um, which actually feels really critical (laughs) especially yeah i mean thinking back on like when he's having nightmares like the thing he's afraid of is himself in the avatar state maybe not the only thing but (laughs) like which is becomes foreshadow report that's like kind of cora stuff too where it's like Mm -hmm. the thing inside you it becomes the thing that you're most afraid of it's a wonderful wonderful moment and it is subtle and it does feel like it sort of starts to put away some of those like open-ended things like having dreams about yourself doing terrible destruction or sort of seeing what you've done mm-hmm. from the outside, like that kind of thing. It's a great moment. But it is crazy. Like, yeah, like going back to Aang for a second, like you don't know going in. If you're watching the show for the first time and the book is called Earth, you don't necessarily know, like, is this going to be a season about Aang learning how to earthbend? And it is right. and it isn't, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. there's so much happening in and of and kind of outside of that. In a way, there's times where I'm like, I feel like, oh, it's Earth because they're in the Earth Kingdom and, you know, it's Earth and we're meeting Toph. And yes, by the way, Aang is also learning how to Earth bend, but it doesn't feel 
as front and center as like a conventional show might make it. Like, this is about a boy. The boy has to learn how to do these things. Right. The first season, he learns how to do this. The second season, he learns how to do this. It's like, no, episode nine is when right. he sort of starts to show promise as an earthbender right. and do it at right. all. You know, it's right. really interesting. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I, I think there's probably a level of analysis that somebody can do but you know about sort of like what other folks are kind of learning in these different places too you know what I mean like I think titles are yeah sort of invoking something but they're also in their own way like turning points for the various characters about sort of things that are like important to them but like are adding on to their like knowledge and information that they're accumulating which is why they you know have a growth arc by by the end of the series you know one thing I was also thinking about in terms of turning points (laughs) in this season um I was thinking about Iroh and Zuko, but in particular, just Iroh, just choosing to yell at Zuko a little bit a couple of times that was in heavy. this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Lake Lao Guy, he takes it to another level in Lake Lao Guy where it's jarring. I mean, it's really the turning point for Zuko yeah. to release the blue spirit as cool as the blue spirit is, cool as that mask is, as cool as the vigilante life is, that Batman life. He drops that. and Because Uncle mm-hmm. Iroh really, and shout out to Mako, and that performance it really jars you like oh my goodness this is real it feels really real and then you see Zuko start to transition into where he's gonna go and it's not an instant transition as we see through the Earth King he's sick through the whole episode because he he kind of broke himself that whole thing broke who he thought of who he is and now he has to put himself back together to figure out who he's going to be which is yeah it's a big turning point yeah yeah. That episode is so intense. And I mean, I don't think we talked about it in the episode itself because of memory serves we were with Gray and she was having trouble not becoming uh, Azula. It was, there was like a lot of uh, she was sort of battling her own inner Azula, <laughs> even as Zuko mm-hmm. was battling his inner Zuko. So we didn't mm-hmm. talk that much about Zuko kind of needing to ha- like sweat it out. Right. Have that fever. Yeah. But um, I love how awful it is actually because we hear from Iroh that like this is not pleasant like we would all love to think that if we've been making a series of of choices that maybe we shouldn't for a period of time that we're going to make that right decision and boom everything's going to turn around for us because isn't that just isn't that what we deserve Mm -hmm. if now we're starting to make the right decisions and it's hard that things have to catch up with those choices right that's really hard and it can cause you to slip back down like we see maybe Zuko going through Mm. but don't we all kind of have that where we're like well I thought I would feel better right away I don't know if it's worth it then yeah and it it goes into the idea of like real change takes conflict and pain to move or some kind of like yeah real change is not as easy as we would want it to be most of the time yeah and so that you kind of physically get to see that what's you gonna thought it was amazing that they put that in the piece because it's like wow that's heavy i mean this is the book of earth but that was heavy (laughs) Mike and Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're talking about, right, change and growth, it's not always linear and progress isn't linear. And so Mm. it is really interesting. It's exemplified with Zuko, you know, especially when those changes involve, yeah, kind of what you both were talking about, like 
just a huge reorganization of someone's like concept of who they are. Like they have to, yeah, like you were saying, Dante, like build up who their sense of who they are. They have to build that back up. Mm. There's an element of, you know, like healing that's happening there and recreating. I mean, yeah, it is bitter work. It's, yeah, really interesting just to be able to see that on the show. I also admit, I feel like Iroh yelling at Zuko also gives me like <laughs> immigrant parent vibes. Oh, totally. 100%. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, this reminds me. It's, it's definitely a button. Yeah, it's like, he starts yelling like, I hear, I'm feeling a button right now. That's the Uncle. ancestors. Like, <laughs> right there um, you're like stop mm. what you're doing right now yes. whatever you're doing stop yeah. yeah i love that though and i'm saying this by the way as a kid whose family has been in the same country for, for quite some time. time but but you know i have Fair a enough. lot of friends including dante who are first generation american and we do see that in stories in avatar but as well a little bit especially with iroh which is this idea of like something we can all relate to which is oh I, I can't infuse in you everything I've gone through and everything my right. family has gone through to take you to this moment that feels very fleeting to you. It feels very like you're the center of your own universe because you're young. That's very natural. But if I could just yell at you enough to get all of that into your soul. Can I just shake you awake? Yeah, yeah. then you wouldn't have to go through all the pain because I could have just like given you an injection of passion and knowledge. Right. And it's like, no, I, I understand. Like you really understand as you get older why our elders get frustrated and want to be able to have <laughs> yeah. a more lasting impact in the moment than they can right. because of the way maturing works, you know? Oh, it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I feel like Iroh too it's like you can like just tell he's just like lost his patience in a way you know in, in some of these moments like again sort of thinking about like right before Zuko frees Appa he just sort of has this lead up before he starts yelling he's just like what are you gonna do you bring this bison into our apartment you know like he's like yeah he's yeah. kind of sarcastic Uncle. in a way which I'm also just you know he's not really can like him put him in the totally. bathroom right yeah <laughs> Um, let's talk about Sokka for a second, and we'll get yeah. into some social media responses. People had such lovely responses. Uh, no yeah. surprise there. Deep thinkers all, the Avatarverse uh, fandom. But Sokka, you know, here we see, yeah, we're not focusing on him, and he's maybe not going through something that comes up every episode, you know, the same ways we see Zuko going through stuff. But how about that experience he has with Suki and the Serpent's Pass and stuff? Ichiomo, what do you think about kind of Sokka's coming through what he comes through at the end of book one and like how it's affected him in book two. I think the thread of grief feels, I mean, it's central to the entire series. You know, mm. this is a series that begins with information about a genocide and a war and loss. You know, it's just so present in the show. And so I think what Sokka's experiencing, I'm sort of in awe, I guess, to see it, you know, reflected in a series like this, mm. particularly the way in which he's sort of like processing his grief. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we see this you know, most prominently in The Serpent's Pass. And, you know, you talked about it in that episode because I just listened to it in that recap episode where, you know, <laughs> before, like, Sokka and Suki are about to kiss, but, like, the moon's right in the background and, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you feel the sort of presence of UA. Like your ex just hanging around every night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think between that and also... When I think about sort of like these threads about grief in, the, in book two in particular, I'm thinking about the ones that are coming to mind to me are that moment with Sokka and Suki when Aang is unlocking his chakras and is talking about the loss of all the airbenders. Oh. And, you know, Guru Petty talks about love is energy and sort of love transforming and sort of becoming something else. And the shapes sort of turn into Katara. Yeah. There is such a view-way parallel that is, you know, yeah. it's like Aang saw what it looks like when love is sacrificed for the greater good. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, yikes, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. And I say this as somebody who's, you know, experienced 
lost. Because of that, I also sort of connect it to uh, what happens in the swamp, right? About thinking about grief in particular, because of what happens with Sokka and Yue and what we're seeing with Aang processing with the airbenders, it makes me also think about what happens in the swamp, where time becomes less linear, right? And it's not sort of moving in a straight line, but time is sort of connecting the past and present altogether because of what Guru Pratik is saying about love becoming an energy and love sort of transforming into other things. I think a lot in my personal life about the things that grief and loss kind of enables or sort of facilitates, um, you know, if we're thinking about it as energy, mm-hmm. how that energy gets redirected, perhaps, or how yes. that energy sort of gets, you know, kind of harnessed into other things, I find really sort of interesting um, and definitely like a life lesson that I'm like applying sort of regularly. Um, but, you know, I, I know a number of folks kind of who have been experiencing grief and loss and kind of the things that have come out of that, I think yeah. is just so fascinating. Um, and so I, I'm just always really moved to see for Aang, like the clouds kind of shifting and becoming something else, becoming something new, which again, is sort of facilitated through the loss of the other airbenders. But um, it does sort of allow for something else to change or it makes something else possible, which I think it's just sort of a lovely thing to think about. Absolutely. I love that you brought up the swamp and the guru connected and side by side, because even just thinking about just having had McGizzy on for the guru, like his choices when we reached out to him, because we love him and he's so brilliant and his perspective is always so amazing as it was with both the first episode that he did in in book one, which was Bato. And then, of course, the guru, he was like, I want to do the swamp or I want to do the guru. And so I think it's I love hearing you kind of (laughs) thinking to bring them up side by side as well, because it's like, well, you see exactly why if he loves one, he loves the other and why that totally makes sense. There's so connected and that's such a great point i'm so glad you brought that up and then also you know we have sort of at the end and then we'll move into these social media responses and just give some shout outs to folks who also you know had some great feedback some of which is reflected in kind of what we've talked about but is this idea of like power and where our power comes from and i just want to hear your thoughts ijoma on like the library for example and this idea of how you use knowledge you have and how you decide when you're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Wan Chi Tong really sticks with me because I'm really troubled by the fact that he says this thing keeps happening when humans get knowledge and it's that they use it against each other. And it's it's complicated that that is exactly what has to happen. It's kind of disheartening when he it's says hard. it. Right, and then guys? we do exactly what he yeah. says. Yeah. It's bad because he's kind of right. Then he's going to eat you. Um, I'm going to tell you this, and then I'm going to eat you guys, all of you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge and power. What I find interesting about that, I'm going to say something that maybe feels a bit like a sidestep perhaps but um no i'm into it we love sidesteps the interesting like pairing or the the like the tension or dichotomy between like knowledge and power sort of what happens when one is sort of feeding the other i don't know if i agree with that paradigm um like i think that there is a tension that's maybe like i don't know sort of like manufactured by like Hmm. society or sort Mm -hmm. of our power structures or things like Mm -hmm. that like i think about wong chitang you know knows lots of things and has some points but like (laughs) i think he's 100 percent right you're right he's coming from his place or he doesn't have a lot of power he has all the knowledge and he doesn't have a lot of power to even affect what we're going to do right which is maybe why he thinks that when people get knowledge that they're using it for other types of things and so i think that the idea you know what wang shitang is saying i think it's a narrow view of knowledge i think it's a narrow view of education there i said it i love that no because it brings back the idea of balance of course there's going to be a light and a dark to knowledge to the fluidity of power to all of that stuff it's like Mm -hmm. those are going to be in tension with each other they're going to be in conflict with each other but you cannot 
make an absolute out of that because it's just not no, that simple and it's not fair and it's yeah. in you some cases just there's not a lot true. of people out there with a lot of power that don't have a lot of knowledge on a lot of thank you exactly thank you my <laughs> friend yeah and there's a bunch of examples in at least in our world of people who you know get knowledge and they use it for good um, or yes. they use it to help rebalance power um, as you were saying Janice. Right. absolutely yeah. that was great i'm so glad we talked about it Can I talk once about, for the audience, I felt a big turning point in Bossing Say. Yeah. Because I think we built up Bossing Say, this whole magic place and this great yes. place. And and even both sides. I mean, Iroh's talking about in a certain way. The whole gang is like trying to get there in a certain way. And Top's talking about it. But then when we get there, it's like we turn like a swift left. Like, what is going it on sucks. here? It sucks. <laughs> It's not what we, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. We got to the big yeah. city and we're like, this is great. But then immediately you meet Long Thang and the Dolly and yeah. poor Judy. Uh, Judy's in I mean, Right. Yeah. Was there somewhere. Yeah. It's like Judy's, all of a sudden we're yeah. like, oh, and, and like the whole thing is like, at least in this book, you know, you, you're hearing all these other people talk about the Fire Nation in a certain way. And then you get there and you think, that they're going to be totally behind the gang and the avatar fighting the fire nation. And you're like, Oh, this is not the case yeah. at all. Like they're yeah. talking, there's no war even going on. And yeah. you're like, Whoa, 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 what, what, what's yes. happening? Yes. Which is, uh, I think a big turning point for the audience with the gang to go like, Oh, the world doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to work out. And now we have a whole other barrel of worms that we have to kind of yeah. sift through for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. You got to Bossing Say, you can't even get to the king, and then you get to him and you're like and Nobody even believes what? you. Everyone what? looks like you like you're crazy. <laughs> like, like what are didn't you talking expect about? to have to yeah. convince you of this. <laughs> this war. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely of the mindset that Bossing Say definitely sucks. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, just hundred percent. Don't think I want to visit. Jin's um, there. Jamma Jin's yeah, there. Yeah, she's there. Mm -hmm. Um the Jasmine Dragon is there. <laughs> Jasmine Dragon. Is good. Gotta love that Jasmine Dragon. Spots there. Very good two spots. In <laughs> That's right. Spots. That's right. Yeah, but I mean, I think um, way to like learn about managing expectations, right? About <laughs> like passing, say, like you know, sort of like hyping it up as this place. And it's so interesting to just like think about like just everything that's happening like in the Earth Palace. I have like a lot of questions. Some of it, I think, is sort of like a testament to. Some of like just the world building that's like different, like each of these nations have their different cultures and we sort of get that in the Earth Kingdom. It's interesting to me that, you know, the leader of the Earth Kingdom is somebody who doesn't leave his palace and is somebody who yeah. maybe doesn't bend his element and that feels... And doesn't have a lot of knowledge of what's going on. And doesn't have a lot of knowledge about what's of going world. on yep. in the world, which I think is really interesting and that's just it's different from a lot of the other places that we've seen and you know i think yeah. you know in some ways it's sort of a testament to like okay well maybe you know there's an interesting kind of like culture shift or something that's like happening there yeah but yeah i in my you know just sort of abject disregard for bossing say i appreciate you know <laughs> that our, our heroes in the show are you know out there like trying to figure out how to like make it work for them in different yeah. ways you know trying to figure out like okay well maybe we can sneak in this way like maybe we're gonna do like maybe like you know we try this angle um you know i appreciate that a lot because i don't you'd be like i am gonna leave 
Yeah, I'm like, I think you beat me. I'm done. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, Basingstoke is yeah. a tough place. Agreed. Okay, so let's get into some social media responses. Some of them just wanted to shout out. We may not read your exact response because many of you had similar responses. They were all so thoughtfully written and so wonderful. I'm just going to start by recapping. On Twitter, Cody Middleton 98 says, Zuko freeing Appa and Lake Lao Guy. I wrote speech during that scene, the effect that uh, the choice has on Zuko. We've been talking about it through this episode, really feeling like that's a very strong turning point, just like you guys were saying. And then on Instagram, Alec and Lucan and Zazimataz and Zach Van. Wonderful conversation that got started within the response area of just like everybody kind of weighing in and talking about that whole beginning of that transformation, that metamorphosis and what's painful for Zuko. So, Dante, I want you to know you're very well represented there. Um, But if you don't mind sharing the one that from Twitter... From at Simpatico Chick and Sinfiltro on Instagram agrees, definitely Jet. The Lake Lao Guy episode is beautifully written. Jet's entire story arc was about his struggle with justice and the meaning of what justice is or what it looks like. For him to focus on the Fire Nation as an enemy and not realize his own kingdom betrayed him in the end is heartbreaking. Jet. Were you happy Jet. to see that Shout somebody to was boy, showing Jet. up for Jet? Yeah. Rest in peace, Jet. Rest in peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, uh, at HTTY underscore, underscore DRG underscore on Twitter says, how could I not pick Toph metal bending? This was such a monumental episode with the with Aang and Guru and Sokka reuniting with his dad. But Toph literally doing the impossible is just chef's mm-hmm. kiss. <laughs> It is world-changing what she yeah. does. It yeah. is world-changing. Yeah, Kat and Defaust writes and Marvin808 on Instagram, we're all talking about that as well. Oh, this goes to what we were talking about before with Sokka, uh, Ijoma. Uh, Sarah Kylie says, It's a smaller one, but I love Sokka and the Serpent's Pass episode. He's still coming to terms with Yue's death and blaming himself for things he thinks he could have done, but Suki inadvertently helping him realize that he's not solely responsible for everyone else's safety, something that was probably ingrained in him since he was left to look after his tribe when the men left for war, mm-hmm. is really important to his story. I mean, what? What a great response. I'm sorry, just being on Instagram, scooting through some <laughs> cute pics and then like laying some wisdom down like that. Not I mean... bad, Sarah Kylie. Not bad. Put it into the syllabus. It's a brilliant insight. Saka learning that in the Serpent's Pass is just something that you know, like a lot of adults haven't necessarily grappled with, like yeah. about the idea of, you know, you're not responsible for other people. Yeah. That's like a thing that some people take a lifetime to learn. So yeah, I mean, Absolutely. shout out to Saka. Shout out to Suki. Shout out to Suki. Dante Reed. Sometimes the white girl teach you the right thing, Sokka. She's what's up. You know? Read the other one, the one that Sinful True said about Toph, because I love this one. Okay, on Instagram, Sinful True says, Toph, but not for the reason people have mentioned. She was genuinely devastated that she couldn't defend Appa outside the library, and it's the first time she openly demonstrates feeling helpless rather than this bolder of a person. Pun intended. Right. But yes, because she's that. so strong and you can really see everyone comes down on her so hard. And she actually comes down on herself very hard also that she had to let the, the sandbenders take Appa because she was bending all of her. And she even tried to like she did do try. something. Yeah. She did yeah. try. But she had to, you know, you have, we make choices in life and things, things happen and, and yeah. you can have yeah. guilt and remorse over them. 
even though it's not yeah. her fault you know it's not her fault she was literally holding up a building um and yeah she just didn't know how to sand bend which like which i also foreshadow report i do appreciate that like in book three she's like oh i've been working on my sand bending and she's like really really good at it <laughs> yeah you know, she, like, was, she like she was haunted by that experience exactly she yeah, was she like was, i do not want to feel that way never yes. again exactly. will i be yes. on some oh, sand my and can't gosh, do my thing yes yep. yes um, I want to give a quick honorable mention shout out. I loved this response from Ray Marie J and VW Barrios on uh, Instagram said long shot speaking out loud, which is like, <laughs> oh, right. no, it's true. We never heard long. Shot. We only heard him say one thing after Jet was either getting close to being gone or maybe being gone. Like it prompted him to say something. So it was a short but sweet answer, not unlike the short and sweet moment we heard long shot say something. So props for that. Someone has to take over those freedom fighters. So we don't know. Maybe long shots out there in Bossing say that's right. Have found his voice after he lost his leader and has to step up his game. Long shot, you know. That's I'd right. watch that series. That's right. No I kidding. <laughs> and so on Instagram, CJ Flan seventy four. He says in book two, episode twelve, Aang when he finally lets go of his rage after witnessing the birth of baby Hope. I've been going through a really hard time lately, but you made me feel hopeful again, which is was a very touching moment. It's a wonderful, I I would never have thought of that as being something Mm. that really jumped out for someone. And then as soon as I read it, I got tears in my eyes and I was like, of course, like, thank you for reminding me of that, CJ Flynn. these things, you know, we we get so caught up in our own navel in our lives and and pondering our own existence and and our failures. And then you actually see there are some magical things that happen in the world still. And when you see one of those magical things that happen where it'd be birth or death or or various things that happen it really puts things in perspective like oh hold up okay <laughs> let me take yeah. a few steps back and stop you know absolutely being so critical of myself at the moment let me witness something actually magical here and so it was a really beautiful moment yeah. love it yeah i mean there's just like, like you're saying there's just these so many like small moments that you know some other people might kind of look over but other folks are like no like this actually like this was it which you know is a one thing that i always geek out about because yeah it's, it's what happens when you have like good art <laughs> that you can look at yes. like different things speak to different people and it's always really exciting to like be able to participate in that with other people Ugh. well we're so glad that you came on to do this with us Thank and you so much. let us geek yeah. out together on big picture stuff always a great conversation absolutely yeah. will you uh tell people where they can find you anything else you want to mention we don't we want to make sure you feel like you got to say everything you might wanted to say yeah on twitter you can find me at another ejoma and my website is ejomaandraka.com wonderful thank you so much thanks ejoma thank you all right everybody thank you so much for listening to avatar braving the elements and hey make sure to subscribe follow leave us a review all of that really helps the podcast so much and we love you guys Next week, we are closing out season two with our final recap of The Crossroads of Destiny with none other than Mike DiMartino and Aang himself, Zach Tyler Eisen. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 